Welcome to Generative Leaders, a series of conversations with leaders generating positive outcomes for society, the planet and future generations to inspire, challenge and have fun with what's universally true of the human mind. I'm your host, Julia Rebholtz, and this week to help me, I'm in conversation with Grayson Hart. Grayson, tell us about what you're leading and what it's all about and why why you're so passionate about it as well. Yeah, so I'm leading Pure Sport, which is uh, it's a natural wellness supplement um, brand. And our whole way the brand launched was to create the world's first fully certified and batch tested range of mushroom-based nootropic and CBD, which is short for cannabidiol, which is an extract from a cannabis plant. So we, we created a range of these products that targeted different parts of people's um, mental and physical performance and health, sort of mainly folks around sleep quality, um, cognitive function, uh, pain relief and recovery. And yet the, the whole way I got into it in my life before this was um, professional rugby. I had a 14-year career, was very uh, reliant on painkillers, uh, got what they call a degenerative knee, so no cartilage in my knee. Um, and sort of got diagnosed with that when I was 24, so quite early in my career. And um, one day along the way, I just realized, I just woke up to the fact that the way I was living was so unhealthy. Uh, I had formed an addiction to painkillers I didn't even know was an addiction, just because it was so normalized in professional sport. And the sort of buildup was so gradual of like the reliance on these painkillers. And I just delved into finding alternative ways in which to look after my body and um, function far more optimally. And then what I found was there's the, there was this whole other world out there of what at that time I thought was like alternative ways of looking after the body and mind. But actually, it was more so what I found was in the world of professional sport and maybe Western culture and um, biggest sort of institutional sort of mindsets was that we're almost given a way of doing things or a perspective and that's the perspective we're given. And unless we look outside of that perspective or challenge it or question it, it's so easy to just go along doing things the way that we have been told or know how to do. Um, yeah, and thankfully I, I just woke up to the fact that there has to be another way and that's what led me to my own journey to utilize these types of products and learn about this stuff. Um, and along that journey, it was, it was as much, just as much learning about the human experience, uh, not just the sort of physical, tangible elements of like, you know, supplementation and recovery in the body, but about, you know, who we are and what we're really looking for in life. So I took taken that journey for myself and started Pure Sport. And our whole journey is to utilize this, these products and this ethos to help allow people to question the status quo on how they're looking after themselves, uh, what habits they've got in life, and, and by doing so, hopefully maybe get people to question who we really are and what we're looking for in life. So that's, that's what I'm doing my best to lead. <laughs> well, I, I feel like that introduction was a bit of a mic drop. You know, you, you, you talked about the fact that you're a professional rugby player, you played for Scotland, um, but you obviously also played um, professional rugby you know club rugby and you sort of just gently slid in there 
most of professional sport is addicted to painkillers, <laughs> which is, you know, is something that I guess we don't really think about, you know, like how how do does a rugby player who's taking that many hits, that many knocks, you know, going to the ground, how do they function? And from what I'm hearing from you, Grace, and it's, you know, the the sort of the Western mindset is to become addicted to painkillers. Um, and that's like, wow, that's new information to me as, you know, somebody that's grown up with rugby, watched rugby, you know, seen the injuries that you get um you get through it but not that that goes with it is an addiction like a low level addiction to painkillers is it a low level addiction to painkillers or is it something more than that mine mine definitely with the type of injury that i was dealing with which was it wasn't like i had an injury and then i had like a surgery or a recovery time and i got back to 100 percent um my my knee suffered a couple of injuries that never quite healed right. And then I had ongoing issues with the sort of biomechanics of my knee, which meant that like my cartilage was wasting away and all the wear and tear of playing rugby was accelerating that sort of degeneration of my joint. Um, and because that was an ongoing sort of like chronic issue, mine went from low level to like a, you know, pretty fully full blown addiction to the point where, you know, you start out with, the um, anti-inflammatories and sort of low-level painkillers and then they start losing their effect and then you need to take more of those and then taking more of those loses their effect so you need the stronger ones to the point where yeah like at my worst um, I was taking six or seven uh, opioid-based painkillers a day and to kind of explain how it was to the you know it got to the point of being a fully blown addiction the moment I realized that actually was um, I like to think of myself as quite a sort of charitable um, guy. And But one day someone came door knocking from a charity and because I was so used to this just usage of painkillers throughout the day, I probably wasn't as aware of like how they're making me feel or like, you know, numbing me to reality and maybe that I wasn't thinking straight because of these things. Um, but an example of when I realized that was someone knocked on the door for a charity. I can't even remember what it was. They must have had a great pitch. But I signed up for something like 200 pounds a month ongoing recurring um, fee. And and the next day, uh, I couldn't remember it. And that was quite a scary experience. And, and I know for a fact that was because I was out of it and drowsy from six or seven tramadol pills throughout the day. Um and that's when I was like, holy heck, like, I'm, I can't think clearly. I'm not making decisions clearly. And, like, it's a problem if I can't remember things that I'm, like, decisions that I'm making, if I can't remember them the next day. Um, so that was quite scary. And, and like, I've seen multiple teammates get full-blown addictions. Some, you know, went down the road, like, much, much worse than mine that to, to where their whole careers derailed. I've seen a close friend, good teammate, become completely addicted to sleeping pills um, that were first prescribed to him by the team. Um, and that was a shock when he did kind of, you know, things got went from bad to worse with this addiction to the point where us, his teammates and friends were going to the club being like, look, like this is out of hand now, you know, 
and he could no longer perform and come get to training and, and, and operate to the degree that he needed to because of this addiction and the club got rid of him, like they fired him rather than like trying to help him overcome this issue. So that was also a, a, a wake-up moment to the fact that, you know, as athletes, you are a commodity to the to the teams. Um, kind of maybe talk and try to portray things in a way that you're not, but there's too many examples of pro athletes just being a commodity. You sort of talked very eloquently about that moment when you realised, hang on a minute, I am, I'm really addicted here and I have to, you know, change, change my life. We talk, you know, this podcast is generative leaders and it's about stories of, of really kind of going inside and looking at how we can think about things in a different way. So what, you know, you had that moment, I'm addicted, and you were like, there's got to be something else to go and look at. And and what kind of unfolded in that path for you? So I, I had had a really quite, for me, profound shift in my perspective before that, which I feel really played a significant part in me seeing those issues with painkillers and things. And I mean, I grew up my whole life dreaming of being a rugby player. And, you know, I, I grew up in quite challenging circumstances. Um, my dad um, struggled with addiction um, and I saw that in front of my own eyes. And, um, you know, through his addiction, we, we grew up in a way that wasn't ideal. Um, and and I, I struggled in school. I didn't do well, but rugby was the thing that, you know, I found like freedom and peace but I also found um like a sense of belonging and also it was the only thing that I can recall as a child like uh doing well at like people like that's great like that's amazing uh you're doing so well um and so I think through that experience rugby became almost like my uh direction to a better life and so I dreamed of getting a, a, a professional rugby contract. And I actually achieved that, my dream, when I was 19 years old. I got a contract for the Auckland Blues, which was the team that I grew up loving and supporting. And that was an, an amazing, um, you know, proud moment for me and my family. But leading into that, I, I honestly, truly believe that my life was going to be all better when I got that contract. And it became confusing when it wasn't, when I got that contract. Like, I, don't get me wrong, I was excited and proud and it was an amazing opportunity. I was giving it my absolute best. But I had this underlying confusion of like, why don't I feel more fulfilled? Why don't I feel better? Like, this is everything that I ever longed for. Because I used to literally say things like to my brother, I'll be like, man, if I ever get a contract, that's all I need. I don't care how much money... I don't need anything else. I just that's I just want to do that for a living. That's it. I'll feel so good. That that's all I want. Um, and yeah, it, uh, I just didn't. I felt insecure still. I felt not good enough. I felt lacking. And then, unfortunately, that confusion led me down a path of looking for that sense of fulfillment or belonging in other areas, which were, 
you know, uh, not so healthy, uh, like drinking. And then I found gambling. Um, and these led to, you know, just not a good way of life for anyone, let alone someone who's trying to be healthy and perform well as a professional athlete. And I, I, my dad passed away when I was 21. So that was a couple of years into my rugby career. Uh, and that then accelerated that sort of like really turbulent time of coping with alcohol and other things. And one day I just woke up, I hung over. I think I might have gone to a fight the night before and I'd been in trouble from my club multiple times. And I was just like, oh, something has to change here. Um, and that's actually that moment. Because before I was in denial, I was like, no, nah, I'm just like young and I'm finding my way and I'm having a good time. But I knew that wasn't true in, like, in my heart, but my mind was really strong and uh, trying to, portray that picture but then this one day I work I was like nah like this something's not right here and almost like that switch I still remember that day uh, I can picture myself waking up in bed that day in the bedroom that I had in Auckland and like it was a it seems like some, it was a really profound moment there was just something that was like got to figure something out because the way you're looking at life's not right and that actually led me on a path of like being really hungry to understand life and uh, I was never religious i didn't grow up in like a religious family i went to a school that was anglican but i didn't wasn't interested in it but the like angle i went down was quite a spiritual i was drawn to like understanding like the spiritual nature of who we are after that moment and um that actually led me just in a roundabout way i started reading different books and stuff things on like meditation yoga um things like they had like uh, bits of like Buddhist pointings and things like that. Nothing like fully grasped me, but I found them interesting. Um, and before I'd never had any interest in any of these things, but I was looking for a way to, I don't know, find a bit more of an understanding of what life's really about. And I actually then came across this book that someone gave to me, and it was called um, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And there was like elements within that book that spoke about like an awareness within us, like a presence, um, the fact that our thoughts came and went and that they weren't the truth and the fact of, of our life. And it kind of like spoke about the nature of our thoughts and how they're very insecure or they're always searching for more or they're in the past and they're never present, but there's this space of awareness that they arise within that and that's who we are. And to be honest, at the time, I didn't like fully grasp or understand it, but it, something really made sense to me and it, like that something spoke true to my experience. And then, yeah, that, that led me on a path of trying to like being really hungry to understand more. I didn't know what that understanding was and I didn't have a label for it. It just seemed true. And I started to reflect on some of these pointings about like our thoughts and this awareness. And it just started to seem, or in my experience, so true. Like uh, when we're attached to our thoughts, we take them seriously, we become like agitated or like there comes a sense of like discontent. And, and then if we can almost let those be and sink back into this sense of presence, uh, there's a peace. And that understanding is actually you know, what led me to 
searching, or not, no, like delving into that understanding and that becoming like really something uh, at the forefront of like importance in my life. Um, it got me on track with my rugby career again, uh, which was really struggling at, at that point before that got me into a much better, for the first time I felt a sense of like acceptance of myself. Um, I felt that I was good enough. Don't get me wrong, there was still this old conditioning that would come and go, but I kind of had this understanding. I was like, oh, that's not necessarily true. Started to be able to understand other people more. I used to be someone that really like had a lot of conflict with people and butted heads with people that I didn't, if we didn't agree or um, I started to have more of a like compassion for people. And then it allowed me to start to understand that there is a lot of cultural conditioning and a lot of like seemingly set ways of doing things that we kind of raised with or our cultural society around us kind of that we learn. And, you know, like what you do or what you achieve is the source of like your fulfillment or happiness and like what I believe with rugby. Um, and that actually helped me really to start to unravel or question more things in life to be like, but what is actually true to me? And that's what led me to see this reliance on painkillers that I had that I'd never questioned before because it was so normal, you know? Um, so that's a pretty long-winded answer, Julia, but I hope that gives some insight. <laughs> no, no, it's a, it's a brilliant answer, Grayson, and we'll, we'll, we'll delve much more into that um, in a moment. But, uh, you know, I loved where you kind of landed that point that, in life, we sort of go through life just just doing things and they're just accepted and they're just the way that things are and they look like they're true. And then, you know, someone comes along and they question the status quo and they sort of question those assumptions and they question that way of, of, of being because they're curious you know, their mind is open enough to to wonder and question and say, well, hang on a minute, is 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 there another way? Yeah, I mean, I was someone growing up that like like I said, I didn't I never did well in school and I always was questioning things, like why but why do we have to learn this subject or but how is this gonna help me or or why do we why is the only way to study to do the subject is to sit here in this class and do it like like it ended up not being received well and then I was you know quite quite cheeky and stuff like that so I'd end up getting into a lot of trouble so I think I've always been someone that or, or getting into trouble from very early on in school and things like that it, it almost created a bit of a like resistance or no not a bit like a real resistance to powers that be within these sort of organizations and the ones that tell you what to do so authority I guess and then I guess my hunger to do so well in rugby because I had attached from the concept that I feel is like rife in our society which your value or happiness is connected to what you have and what you do and, and also like the perception of others I don't think it's necessarily like something that's taught like that like this is what's true but I think the way the world operates, that we're led to feel and believe that. And and because it's maybe not spoken directly, 
but that maybe then doesn't give people the chance to question it because it's just become so ingrained in us by what's going on around us. And I guess that ingrained feeling within me of, okay, I've never done good in anything, but rugby is my chance to do good, and then that's going to make me a happier and more valuable person because it felt like it was like my one shot, you know. Uh, so I really did my best to like adhere and do what was good and right and be seen as, you know, like a, a good team player and don't question, don't cause trouble, don't ruffle feathers. That is how I got caught up and captured in that like way of doing things. And I wasn't, didn't have the kind of, because I was so immersed in my identity and value and happiness being derived from these outcomes within my career, I wasn't able to separate and ask questions to be like, but why do I need to put an injection in my knee? You know, why can't I let it recover on its own? Or if my knee is swollen and painful, maybe I should take a week off training or, you know, like it was just no you don't complain, you get on with it. And if you don't train, you don't play. And if you don't play, you don't get another contract. And if you don't get another contract, you're a failure. And you're just immersed in it, so you don't question anything. And actually, I think sport is like a magnified example of life. Like, people are just grinding to get from A to B because they believe the happiness, but we never question, or I don't think we question enough why our happiness is never found for any actual prolonged period of time and any outcome or thing you know whether it be a new relationship or a new set of shoes that you've dreamed or a car or a pay rise or an amount of money in the bank or a new house like no one's ever found unbroken ongoing fulfillment contentment and happiness in these things yet we live in this culture that just is constantly chasing them and like now going through that with my rugby and being something that was a profound shift in my life, I get caught up in it still every day because it's so like, I feel anyway, so ingrained in our like cultural culture's way of looking at life. Um, and then now this new experience that I'm in of being in business, you know, like that's a new challenge to not get caught up in chasing outcomes or forecasts or, you know, um, valuations or, or whatever with the feeling that like, oh, I need that. And if I don't, if we don't get that, I'm a failure, I'm not good enough. Or that's going to make me more fulfilled or happy because like, it's just not. <laughs> well, and I think this is a really great point that you're pointing to for anyone that's, you know, starting a business and you know especially one with a purpose you know you've got a very strong mission to revolutionize the way that pain is managed within sport and I could see that it could be really really easy to you know fall into getting really attached to your personality and you as a human being being attached to that as an outcome Understanding who we are for me is the simplest way to describe it. It's it's an ongoing journey. Like you're as long as you're living, you've never figured it out. Uh, and I say that because I did experience a real profound shift in like my feelings of peace and contentment, and also like resilience and ability to you know because I think in life it's inevitable. Like things are not going to go to plan. There's going to be hardships. 
And there's, there's going to be certain challenges that are thrown our way that none of us would like or plan for. But if there's this underlying knowledge of who we are, which is, you know, like I spoke of earlier when I read that book, The Power of Now, the sort of presence or awareness at the, at the, at the background that, in which our thoughts and concepts and uh, all of these arise within, if we if we are able to like start to question and, and explore that as who we are rather than the ongoing chattering thoughts that are pointing outwards to the future or the past and comparing and um, seeking and pursuing things, but if we can look to this this level, this presence or awareness, that is in how I would describe and and you know more importantly these the sort of teachers and and authors and people who are really well qualified to talk and point to these to this understanding would uh, describe as like inherently peaceful and the very nature of it is fulfilled and content. Um, if we can look there, then we understand we've got whatever it takes in that moment to deal with whatever circumstance life throws at us. Um, and actually the thoughts that compare or tell you're not good enough or say you need to get this in order to be okay, they're actually not true if you revert to this background awareness. And then actually from that space, we're able to express ourselves like our true self because I think that I think the nature of people is to be like you know relatively creative and productive in whatever form that takes place you know it doesn't need when I say productive or creative it doesn't mean to be in this like this grinding work corporate way it could be you might love gardening or walking the dog or cooking or making food or calling up your friends or having a meaningful conversation with a family member but I think from this concept that we always need to get something more, I think that also creates a fear that if we're not doing something to progress, that we're just going to be like sloths. But actually, I think some of our most profound like work or problem solving or creativity or productivity comes from the knowledge that we're, we're enough, we're good as we are, and then just go and express yourself from there. I know for sure as a sportsman when I'd go out on the field being knowing that yeah I wanted to win but the outcome didn't define me and I'd have this moment being like I'm good as I am just go out there and just play I would feel so much freer and so much uh, less bound up and then actually my energy would flow and my like my peripheral vision would widen and like you know my my senses were more present and aware so I think what I've learned is there's never an end point to understanding who we are and that the world that we live in and our culture and society is currently set up in a way that will take us in a different direction from who we are and almost create like fear or an insecure drive or an insecure ambition rather than an expression and a, a creative and express, expressive ambition. And I'm learning that in, in business too, because I think I had this quite profound like, realization that really served me well through my earlier life. And, and now in business, it's this new challenge and it's a new uh, yeah experience that I've not been used to. And I'm having to almost like, 
remind myself even more so than before, like, hey, it might seem like your whole life is depending on this, or there might it might feel like the problems are never going to go away or the pressure is too much, but actually right here and now, you're perfect as you are, you're good enough, and whatever happens, you're going to be okay. And then I'm like, oh, wow, yeah. It's usually from that sense of like presence that I gain perspective again, you know, and I interact better with the team. I problem solve more clearly or even like things that seem like such big problems. They don't seem to be as big a problem. And yeah, so for me, it's just not losing that as a priority because the world will throw us so many things and our minds are so convincing that anything is more important than this piece within us. I love what you're saying, Grayson, because what what I'm hearing in this moment of you saying, and I'll, I'll express it in my words, you know, not your words, but it's kind of like the purpose of life is to intimately know that awareness and to drop into it, you know, as frequently as and often as you can, because when you're in that space, anything's possible. Um, there are no limitations. It's, you know, there's there's just a limitless well of of creativity, of of um of love, of understanding, of connection. And so, you know, keeping that at the forefront of your mind as a business leader, it then enables the outer purpose to be fulfilled um, in whatever expression that has. And you'll get more and more wisdom into that expression as you as you as you keep dropping into that that space of awareness. No, absolutely. You've summarized it very well. And, and <laughs> also like just it allows you to know that it's very it's part of being a human to have insecurity or feelings of like I need this to happen or this shouldn't happen or and actually rather than like resisting those or judging them or trying to fix life to get rid of those feelings, you can in any moment drop into what is aware of those and start to explore, is, oh, is that who I really am? Because it seems so much that who we are is, are these chattering thoughts that just keep going, going, going. And it seems so real and true because we actually, I feel, kind of taught that that's who we are like we are our mind and these thoughts you know whereas if we start to question that and see that there is an awareness that knows those thoughts and and we start to explore the nature of that awareness and find that it is its very nature is love and peace and fulfillment um then we can start to be much more like non-resistant to the fact that like insecure thoughts and feelings are going to come and go and it's just part of being a human part of the human experience yeah yeah no exactly exactly the, you know, like to get caught in trying to fix insecure thoughts and feelings and then we're, we're usually making decisions in life to change circumstances or try to change the way people are around us or whatever or change ourselves to fix these thoughts and feelings but if we turn it around the other way and realize who we are is not those thoughts and feelings. More often, 
what I feel can happen is we start to operate from a place of like freedom and then we're more likely to actually uh, positively, you know, make changes that, that needed to be made without trying to fix things. And it's amazing that you've had this profound experience, Grayson, that's, that's played out throughout your life and, and you can sort of look back on it and, and see where, where you were. But as a as a leader of a of a business, you've got fifteen people that work for you. You've got a you know huge community that you're working with. How do you talk to your team about this? How do you engage them? You know, how do they engage in this conversation with you? I love it. Like it's my it's the thing I love most about pure sport. I feel there are a lot of people right who are drawn to like exploring more and trying to understand more deeply what life's all about. And then these types of people are open to a direct conversation that would be like, you know, like on the topic, like what we're talking about. But actually there's a lot of people who aren't necessarily like open to a conversation like that. And I think what I love about Pure Sport is this brand, these products and this community have arisen because of how this sort of knowledge or understanding or exploration has made a profound shift in my life. And therefore, I see Pure Sport as like a vehicle to help people, like almost like this tangible vehicle for people that aren't necessarily open to like this deeper conversation to start to question how they're living their lives. And the times that we're in right now, you know, through all the lockdowns we had, a lot of different changes and things going on in the world and access to, you know, like so much information and alternative perspectives through like social media and YouTube and these types of places. People are interested in like, you know, how they can optimize, change, how they can change habits, how, you know, for example, exercise has such an, a positive effect on like mental health, um, you know, how important sleep quality is in order to like function well and be happy and not and live optimally. So there is this, I feel anyway, in my like humble opinion, like this shift towards more of an openness and a, and a questioning of things like even like diet, you know, what are we eating in order to feel better and um, to be more productive and have more energy? Like say eight or so years ago, I remember questioning things about diet and sport and I cut out meat for a little while and it was like people thought I was an absolute weirdo like whereas now it's not abnormal for like there to be many vegans or vegetarians and professional sporting um, organizations so that's even an example of like the shift that we've had towards like how are we living life and what are we doing but there's still like a huge way to go and for me this conversation happens naturally because of that curiosity that I feel is gaining traction in more and more and more people. Um, you know, even like customers come to us who they're maybe a bit more elderly and they're saying, look, I'm, I never thought I would use a product that um, was derived from the cannabis plant, but I've seen pro athletes talking about your product and I know that these guys are drug tested, so I trust them. And so I'm interested in how I can stop taking these painkillers because I'm so sick of taking painkillers for my arthritis. Or you got people who are like, 
I don't want to take these sleeping pills anymore. They're having a negative effect on me, but I need to sleep well, da-da-da, and I'm looking for a natural alternative. So there is like a shift, I feel, that's happening. And for me, what I love and I, and I think what makes me so passionate about pure sport but also like natural uh, supplementation is it's an opportunity to bit by bit get people to question how they're living life. And for me, the ultimate perspective that people can come to, if, even if that's just a little part in the way on the journey, is like, who am I really? Like, what is this life really all about? Because I remember reading books and like different interesting things along the way when I told you I had that moment of waking up hungover and trying to find a different way of like, I read so many articles about people on their deathbeds who said, oh my God, these are the things I wish I knew. And so much of it spoke to like things they would have done differently in life that I feel were almost are byproducts of the realization that we are enough as we are. And they only realize it right at the end. So, so I almost wonder you, like for me, Pure Sport is a vehicle to try and help people get to that point sooner. Um, because we say it, we're here to help break the quick fix mentality. Because, because our culture is in a quick fix perspective. It's like, if you've got pain, take a painkiller. If you can't sleep, take a sleep pill. If you're anxious, you know, look, look for a way to fix it or a coping mechanism. And actually what people are starting to wake up to and why businesses like Pure Sport are starting to gain traction is we're here to provide, you know, insight, information and products that can help on that journey to unlocking a bit a greater understanding of how to overcome that quick fix mentality so another long-winded answer but i mean i have types of conversations all the time with my team and like we're always we're driven by that purpose you know we see uh our product and like we we operate like we do our absolute best to operate with complete integrity because we'll say these are not the answer to all your problems. This is not a fix. This is part of a lifestyle and part of a shift in uh, perspective and how you're looking after yourself. And it's it sounds like, you know, it's a disruptive conversation. And it comes back to where you started around, you know, we're conditioned to perceive the world in a in a certain way. And, um, you know, we, we, we see those, those thoughts as being true we don't question that actually they're just thoughts you know someone had these thoughts they came up with them they looked like they made sense at the time but now given our evolution you know what we're now seeing does it still make sense now um and it sounds like you know that that disruptive conversation is the essence of of the business in terms of really waking people up to that yeah, yeah, it really is. And and I actually think that's what draws people to us, many of whom probably don't actually realize that's why it is. But I feel this is within everybody. There's like this almost low level, or depends, it varies in people, but like a discontent with like how our culture is teaching us what life's really about. And then in some, there's like a real like urge to like, fight against it and I feel the people that really align with what we're doing here they really feel that and like 
I mean, I spoke earlier about like getting in trouble a lot as a kid and feeling not good enough and, and things like that. And what I realized along the way is that I feel that like everyone in some way or another is looking for like a sense of belonging. And there are a lot of people who feel unsure about the status quo that we've been given and they're, they're almost looking for a sense of belonging and around people that share like a yearning to kind of live more freely and peacefully and get out of this like rat race fear-based uh mentality that like, is consuming so much of people's attention right now and yeah uh I just want to do our best to be able to provide that space for people. And I think it's why our, like you mentioned, our run club, I think it's why our run club is, has grown so much and people seem to really love it is the one thing that I remind our team of when we're doing these events is anyone and everyone that comes here, they belong with us and I want them to walk away with that, knowing that, yeah, like I might not be an, an elite, Runner or an athlete, uh, and, and if that is the case, actually, then you know I want people like that. I want people who might have been intimidated to join like a sports club or a run club or a gym or whatever to know that no, like you are, you belong, like you're good enough as you are, and you're one of us. And that was those were the times in my life where I, growing up, you know, I remember I I wasn't feeling that in school, and I never got good marks, and I was getting kicked out of class, and told that I was a problem and distracting people and all of that. And then I remember my older brother, he's three years older, on on the weekends he'd let me play video games with him and his friends and things like that. And I was like, those were the moments I felt a sense of belonging. Or like in my rugby team, you know, uh, they, they didn't care about my grades or how I was doing school. It was I was part of that, that team. And that that actually allowed more of an expression from a place of like freedom. And I feel the world, people are looking for that. Um, it's too much just seeking materialism and feelings of comparison, discontent. And I think the world needs more places that bring people and say, no, like you're, you're good as you are, just be yourself. And that's all we try to create with our whole community. Fabulous, Grayson. Well, it so resonates what you what you say with with my story as well of of just I need to get good grades at school, and then you know when I didn't do that, it was like, well, I've got to get a good job, and then that's going to make me happy. And then when that didn't happen, it was like, well, you know, I've got to have a, a great relationship, and that will make me happy. And then you know now you know let's have a child and that's going to make me happy and, and a house size and a car and a, this amount of money and then you get all of those things and it's it's empty and I think you know my observation is that the younger generation are waking up to this much earlier they're kind of going my parents are not happy I see that they're not happy and so all these things they're chasing to make them happy can't be the answer yeah. so what the fuck is it yeah. <laughs> and it's it's so 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 great that you know there's businesses like yours that are are a place where that younger generation can can come and they can 
you know, start to, as you say, find out well, what what really is happiness and that it's actually always been within you and it's always available to you other than when these thoughts arise within that awareness that then separate us from seeing it. It doesn't matter who you are. We all have different experiences. You know, we grow up in different parts of the world and have different ambitions and different parents and different families. And But I reckon it's a human misunderstanding that, I don't know, maybe it's part of the design for it to seem this way and then it's part of the design for us to try to figure out what it is we're really looking for. Well, Grayson, it's been so, so fabulous um, spending this time with you and and us having a a chat and and reconnecting. And so where can people find out more about Pure Sport and um, the community and and how do they become part of that? Yeah, so um, hopefully this podcast has allowed you to have the sense that Pure Sport's for everybody and our whole kind of view with the sport and the batch testing for drug test athletes was to accelerate the trust for these types of products to show that everyone can use them, that they are legal, that they, they work, they're good for you. And then with that, our communities for everybody. So um, we're very active on Instagram. It's just at Pure Sport. Um, and our website is puresport.co, just C-O. And we do our weekly run club every Wednesday evening. Um, and we... Uh, alternate between Battersea Park and our office, our HQ in Southwark, 6.30 every Wednesday. Everyone's welcome. There's people that run really quickly and then there's people that walk and talk and um, here for a good time. And we do different events and stuff like that. But yeah, most of all, we just, oh, we want to be an organization that people feel that they can relate to and um, help spark questions and explore ways in how in which we're living our lives, really. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much, Grayson. As always, it's been an absolute pleasure spending time with you. Thank you so much for having me on, Julia, and for hosting these conversations. I'm excited to tune into the future episodes you've got. I always come away from my conversations with Grayson feeling refreshed, calm, and inspired. And the points that he really pointed me to in that conversation is all that chatter that's going on in the mind all the time and this awareness that gets to be aware of that chatter that's that's happening. He asked the question repeatedly, who are we really? Are we all that chatter or are we the awareness of that chatter? And he asked us a question about how are we living our lives? Are we striving for something outside that we think is going to make us happy? Or is happiness something that's already there? Something that's already inside of us? And are we looking to the outside for a series of quick fixes, either to stop the pain or to make us happy or to give us a a mental reboot. And so he really left us with that question of what is happiness really? And I would urge everyone to reflect on the conversation and reflect on what is happiness? 
Where does it come from? What's its nature? And one of the times I've really experienced that, how did I get to be aware of it? How much chatter was there really going on in my mind? I really love that conversation with Grayson. And if you did too, then I would urge you to share it with someone who also needs to hear this. You can do that by going to generativeleaders.co or you can find it on anywhere you have your local podcasts.